0: Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling author of the Vanessa Michael Monroe series, the latest of which, The Mask, is being released today. Taylor, welcome. Thank you. I'm going to get us started today by reading a couple quotes and then I'll start asking you questions. This first quote is from Lee Child. Monroe is a sensational character, and Stevens is a sensational writer. That's pretty nice. Very much. Next quote is from USA Today. Monroe's brooding personality and her ability to blend into her surroundings brings to mind the provocative Jason Bourne. Again, pretty nice and a nice comparison. I'll give you my... Nah, I'm not going to give you mine. No, we'll we'll, on, we'll save that yours. for later. You you <laughs> okay. know what mine is, and I don't want to gush all over the microphone this <laughs> early in the uh, in the interview. So let's let's get things started by telling listeners who is Vanessa Michael Monroe.
1: Well. Vanessa Michael Monroe. It's kind of curious um, that that, co- that quote said about the brooding personality of Jason Bourne, because I was inspired to write by reading Robert Ludlum, Jason Bourne stories, to be precise. Mm-hmm. Um, so Vanessa Michael Monroe is the daughter of missionaries. She was born and raised in West Africa, and she was an unwanted, unexpected and unwanted child. So she was kind of pushed out and on her own very young age. And she has a sort of a linguistic savant ability where she processes sound and language in a way that most of us just can't even dream of. And that has sort of guided her life. She ended up falling in with gun runners at a very young age. And that was a very... She had some traumatic experiences that shaped her. And she has grown into what is... The best way to describe is an information hunter. She's a chameleon. She's a predator. And she will get for corporations, governments, uh, individuals, information that nobody else can get. That's her background. That's where she comes from.
0: Okay. And the first book in this series was The Informationist. It was way back in, you'll know this, I forget. 2011. Okay, 2011. <laughs> uh, the Informationist, and this is where the gushing starts. The Informationist is one of my three favorite books of all time. And I, you know, I think about this because I say it, but I've, I think about it just to be sure it's accurate. And it is true. You are my favorite living author. So that's, that's the end of the gushing part. But people who listen to this show, you know I read a lot. That's really, really high praise for these books. If you haven't read them yet, I would encourage you to do it. But Taylor has a new book that is actually coming out today called The Mask. So let's, let's start talking about The Mask.
1: Okay. I'm, my jaw is still kind of open from all the gushing. I'm just like, wow, that's honor. Thank well, you.
0: Well, we only have like 15 minutes or so for this show. I could go on, but no, uh, I mean, we, we might bore listeners. I but like, we do have to talk about the book. <laughs> go ahead. Tell us about The Mask.
1: Okay, so The Mask is the fifth in the series. I often get asked from people, you know, do we have to start at the beginning? And the question, the answer is no. I tried to write each one of these stories as standalone uh, books and put at least enough backstory into so that a new reader isn't completely lost. But there's a character arc that runs through them. And uh, this, this story takes place in Japan. Every story is an international uh, boots on the ground, suspense, thriller, Whatever. That's how they're categorized. Uh, I call them high-octane character studies. And most of the stories have taken place in very exotic, um, developing nations where the rules are not... The rules are bendable, depending (laughs) on how you manipulate them. So to take this story to Japan takes it in a completely different direction. And Monroe's skill with with languages is is an auditory one. So she can... uh, she can interpret what she's reading if she can read it. And that allows her, you know, to, to navigate a lot of foreign cultures, not just on sound, but through sight. But in Japan, she's in a whole new world because the Japanese language is based on pictograms and there's no way that she can read that. So she has no way to interpret what she sees into sound. And so she's kind of hampered. So it just takes the story, the, the series in a little bit of a different
0: direction. And she is, she's an action hero type character who's flawed, has all of these issues, um, and and this is really, in the series, this is the first time that the language thing has sort of had her behind the eight ball a little bit, so there's kind of an interesting an interesting turn in this.
1: Yeah, it forces her to make decisions that she would prefer not to have to make. She likes to work alone and not depend on other people, and her hands are tied in, in that case because she can't read the language, and she has to understand and research things and um, so, yeah, it's just it's fun. It's different. All
0: right. One of the things that makes you particularly interesting as a personality or as an author personality is your background. And, and we don't have time to go into the whole background, but give us the uh, the 30-second version of your background and then why, why the use of Japan in this novel was so important to you.
1: Ha! The 30-second version is, go <laughs> read my second book. No, I was... <laughs> <laughs> I was born and raised in a religious cult. My education stopped when I was uh, in sixth grade at 12 years old, and uh, grew up very cloistered from from society. I wasn't allowed to read books from the outside or listen to the to music from the outside. So I have very, very limited, even to this day, very limited uh, literary background, very limited uh, pop culture references and uh, I had to to teach myself how to write I have no formal education beyond sixth grade and so all right that, i'm gonna'm I'm gonna I can get to thirty
0: seconds. I'm going jump in here and I'm not taking any of your thirty seconds so you'll still have ten <laughs> seconds left <laughs> but the first time you and I talked was for an interview uh, maybe two years ago and we were talking about your background and you reading a robert ludlum book and saying i'd like to write a book like that And I just found that so unbelievable. You bought it at like a garage sale or something like that, right? Yeah,
1: that's how I discovered Robert Lillam was at garage sales because we were so broke and so poor. And um, one of us had to stay home with the kids. That was me. And so I would supplement our income by going to garage sales and finding things that I could turn around and resell. And I quickly learned that books had a high resale value. And so eventually I started reading them, and that's how I discovered Robert Lillam. So, yeah.
0: And unlike every other author in the world who maybe write a half dozen manuscripts before you get one that you might be willing to send to someone, you were in a position where you needed to actually make some money. And if you were going to invest your time in writing, you were going to need to sell this book. So The Informationist was your first manuscript.
1: Yes, it was. But I didn't go into it thinking that I was going to sell it. I went into it thinking I'm just going to write a book because I had been forbidden. I had gotten in such bad trouble growing up for attempting to write fiction and how dare I? And so I um, you know, for me, it was more like giving my past the middle finger. And I was just like, I'm going to write a book. I, I didn't have any aspirations like, oh, I'm going to get published and oh, I'm going to become a New York Times bestseller and 100,000 people are going to read my book. No, not at all. But it, it kind of worked out that
0: way. It did kind of work out that way. All right. Now we're back. You're back on the clock. You have 10 seconds left. And why was the setting of Japan important to you based on your background?
1: Well, I had lived there for five years as a young teenager, and some of the worst things in my life happened there. And so I wanted to go back and reclaim that past, and I also wanted to set a book in Japan. So it became an opportunity to do both.
0: Okay, so you were there living in the cult and going out and... Asking for money in the streets, that yeah, kind of I spent thing. Yeah,
1: I spent a lot of time out on the streets of Japan begging, very cold, never had proper clothes or proper shoes. And it just was really a very unpleasant experience for me. And I wanted to go back as an adult to to come back from a place of conquering and of triumph and and, and overcome that sense of poverty and all the things that I couldn't ever do or eat or taste. And it was it was a very powerful experience.
0: All right. Now, it doesn't
1: have anything to do with the book.
0: (laughs) It it doesn't, but but it it makes it interesting. The reason you went back to Japan, and you know, we talked about boots on the ground thrillers. You did boots on the ground research. Uh, You and I host. Well, you are the star. I am the co-host of the Taylor (laughs) Stevens Show. Um, People should look that up on on iTunes. We actually did an entire episode on why you went back to Japan and all that you learned while you were there, and and some of the things that you weaved into the book. Fascinating stuff. So if people are interested in your backstory, there's a, a lot of information there. We've got six episodes recorded already, and, and we're continuing to go forward with that. But back to The Mask. Uh, so the, the book is set in Japan. It's a different kind of a setting because it's it's not an underdeveloped country. It's uh, It's a...
1: It's an t- advanced society. Advanced society. Thank it, you. Yeah.
0: Thank you. And uh, we, we expect things to work a certain way there, but we learn by reading the book that their legal system is significantly different than it is here, and that presents some unusual challenges, challenges for Monroe. Yes, yes it does.
1: And the, and the book is based around the timeline, because in Japan you do not have the, the right to a legal counsel, or any rights really, once you're taken into custody until you're formally charged. But they have 23 days to charge you. So in those 23 days, you're kind of in a black hole. But once they charge you, their conviction rate is over 99%. So there's there's really very little chance that once Bradford is charged that he's going to get free. And he's been, you know, taken in for murder. So she basically has 23 days to, to figure this out and find out who the real... She doesn't believe he's the real killer. She doesn't have proof that he's not. And to to figure out why and, and offer some alternative that can help get him free. And so the book is based on those 23 days.
0: And Bradford is Miles Bradford, who's a recurring character in the series. She's sort of a love interest for Monroe. And at the beginning of this book... They're together again for the first time in a while in a, a semi-normal environment where he's going to work in this uh, this big business in Japan, and she's just there spending time with him, and uh, so then anyway, he, he gets arrested for murder, and uh, the book... Takes off. It actually, the book takes off right from page one. So it's yeah, a, a... it
1: does. But I always like to warn people: there's a lag. There's a, there's a, a fifty page lag because there's a lot of information that the reader has to to be aware of to see things through her eyes. Because mm-hmm. it all comes back later in the story. So at first, it doesn't really seem like anything's happening. But then later on, all those pieces make sense.
0: And I really liked the way you set it up with um, the, sort of a timeline at the beginning of, of different scenes, uh, saying exactly when it was, and, and we know we're moving forward to getting to the point where the book actually started on, on page one, which is uh, a fascinating day, way on to day do it. One. Yeah. Except I've
1: Except I've noticed that there are a lot of readers who are not seeing the minus in the day. So like, it starts at day seven, and then it jumps backwards to... Day minus 63. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of readers aren't seeing the minus. So they think it's jumping from day seven to day 63, then goes down to day 62, and they don't understand. It's like very confusing to them. (laughs) And I'm like, oh man, such a little thing. (laughs) And so now I'm like warning everybody there's a minus, there's a minus.
0: (laughs) Well, that's interesting. I caught that right away. And then I had to think about it. What does this mean? Because I'm not that smart sometimes, but I eventually figured it out. So this is, and I, I will state this for the record. This is my favorite book of the year so far, *The Mask*. So I highly recommend that you get it. If you're in Dallas and you're listening on the day this show's released on June 30th, you can go and see Taylor at the Barnes and Noble somewhere around oh, Dallas. It's Where is it? Far
1: north. It's far north. It's in Frisco, and it's in the Stonebriar Mall Center. You can't miss the Barnes and Noble there. So um, just Stonebriar. And uh, I, I, it starts at seven. So if you're listening to this before seven, come see me.
0: <laughs> and if you're going to be in New York or are in New York, you'll be there. Uh, you're, you're going to be in town for Thriller Fest, but on July 11th, you've made arrangements to be at the Mysterious Bookshop. Do I have that yes. right? Books yes. shop in New York City.
1: Yes, and it's at 11. I mean, it's on July 11th, and I'll be there at five o'clock. It's not a formal event. I'm just going to sign uh, stock. For the sign books for the store, but they've agreed that any of my peeps in the area who want to come and hang out with me can we can use the store to just chat and hang out
0: and then later in July July 14th you're in Houston and then you you take a deep breath and probably go back to work and write another book.
1: Oh, if only, yes. <laughs> 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 I'm sure something else will come up between now and then. Um, yeah, and, and I have more events, and they're all on my website under my events tab. It's at taylorstevensbooks.com, and there's an events tab, and you can see where, if you're interested.
0: What else know. can people find on your, books, on your uh, website?
1: You can find the podcast, you can can find a link to connect with me because most of my interaction with my readers is actually through email. I have a very vibrant and alive and fun email list. I call it my cool kid hangout. And um, I talk about all kinds of stuff about the things I've learned because I'm self-taught about learned about writing, about publishing, about overcoming adversity. All of those things go out by email. It's not a big buy my book, buy my book. You only hear from me every six months when it's time to buy something. Um, Sometimes it's too much email for people and sometimes they're not interested. But those who have stuck with the list, I, I hear so often how much value it brings them.
0: Yes, and for people who also know me as the host of The Author Biz, I actually, my fascination for the publishing business grew out of being a subscriber to your email list and learning all this and going, wow, this is fascinating. It's, I love business, but the publishing business is so unique, and it was so cool to have that insider's view of this is what I see, this is what's happening, this is the way this works, and it's very educational. So I thank you for, for all of the great information that you share with your cool kids. And I'm happy at age 59 to be still a cool kid.
1: We're all kids at heart, right? We are.
0: All right. So I would normally ask you what's the best way for people to stay in touch with you, but we just did all that. So it's taylorstevensbooks.com. That's because you're a podcasting professional now. (laughs) taylorstevensbooks.com. You're also on Facebook. You're on Twitter. You're everywhere. Uh, The mask is available everywhere that books can be acquired Uh, If you're in Dallas, go see her. If you're in New York or Houston, go see her there. Um, Taylor – it's always a treat talking with you, especially when I'm the host of the podcast yeah, instead of you. It's
1: always so much fun, and I like it when you're the
0: boss. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is Stephen Campbell, and we've been talking about The Mask with Taylor Stevens. The book, as I said, is available everywhere great books are sold. You can find show notes for this episode with links to Taylor's website and everything we've mentioned, including the fabulous Taylor Stevens Show podcast at www.crimefiction.fm. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon.